1: Get help with expenses that health insurance does not cover. Visit affleck.com to learn more.
2: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
1: You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. If you're just joining us, Deshaun Watson done for the year, injured his throwing shoulder, and now you turn to P.J. Walker or Dorian Thompson Robinson, the rookie out of UCLA. They did have Josh Dobbs, but, okay, we're playing the end result game that, boy, they could use Josh Dobbs. When Josh Dobbs was traded by the Browns, I don't know if anybody goes, man, you shouldn't be getting rid of Josh Dobbs. He's a good, he's a good backup quarterback, and he's played well. Nobody saw this happening here. All right, 877-3DP-SHOW. We'll get to uh, your phone calls coming up. Before I get to Albert Breer, I want to ask Albert about this. But Dan Orlovsky was on Pat McAfee's show yesterday, and he was talking about Bill Belichick. Here is uh, McAfee's question.
3: Now, Diana Rossini reported this weekend that people around the building are assuming or preparing for a mutual parting of ways between Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. He will go coach somewhere else if that is the case. Will he be the GM as well? We assume, but who knows? Mm -hmm. That would be bananas. That would be a colossal move in the NFL news cycle.
4: I've heard that. I've heard more and more of that over the past week. I'm not a reporter, all that stuff, but I have heard that. You're a journalist. Yeah, um, I, I have heard that that's going to be the case, and it's kind of uh, who who knows the likelihood of it, but I've, I've heard that that's going to happen, and I've heard the location is already kind of determined as well.
3: Where he's going? Hello? Chargers. You I'm are. not giving uh,
5: yeah, yeah. – uh, I, uh, I just I – I've heard that.
1: Okay, let's bring in Albert Breer, the Monday morning quarterback. <laughs> what the hell is Orlovsky saying?
4: I mean, I don't know if a destination has been determined. Um, I would say this, though, like, you know, the Washington stuff has been out there for a while. And, you know, it's something that's been talked about in NFL circles for more than the time that it's been out there in the public. And, um, you know, that one's interesting to me um, just because, you know, if you look at the history of things, Dan, like we've seen like owners bring in older coaches um, with a track record, it's generally a credibility pre- play. You know, like Shad Khan needed credibility in Jacksonville, so he brought in Tom Coughlin. At the beginning of Steve Ross's ownership, um, you know, in 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 Miami, they had Bill Parcells there as the football czar. So um, it would make sense if you're trying to restore credibility to your organization and your Josh Harris. And Josh Harris, by the way, would be able to negotiate this with the Patriots because he went to Harvard Business School with Jonathan Kraft and they've had a relationship going back over 30 years. So there are some doc connecting you can do there that would make that one um make a lot of sense. I do think Bill still wants to coach. Um now that's just my opinion, um, uh, based on you know what I've heard from people who know him really, really well and who've been around him. Um, yeah, you know, that Shula record is sitting out there. Um, he's 16 wins away. I think at one point we thought it was likely that he would get there in 2024. That looks a lot less likely now. So if you're the Patriots and you're talking about hanging on to him, and he's pursuing that Shula record, you'd be talking about another two years maybe now. Um, so there's a lot of things there, you know, like where you can say it would make some sense. Um, so I, you know the two teams you hear most connected to to to, to Bill have been. At least, you know, from my perspective, in Washington and Dallas. And um both in the NFC East, both historic franchises, both with owners that badly want to win. Um, you know, obviously in different spots in their ownership. Um, but it should be interesting going forward. And um look, if you wanna look at if you want to go way back in history, and I know I'm being long-winded here, but this is a complex topic. Uh you know, like the last two times the Patriots changed coaches, um, there was a trade involved. You know, they they went from, you know, dealing Bill Parcells to the Jets, then they hired Pete Carroll, and then when they brought Belichick in, there was a trade with the Jets that happened there, too. And in both cases, both Parcells and Belichick had things lined up before the season ended. So it wouldn't surprise me if there's some back-channel communication that happens, you know, towards the end of the year.
1: What are the Bills doing?
4: The Bills right now are... Um, you know, I would say the the move here is to try to spark the team. And, um, you know, I don't want to say their window is closing because I do think when you have a quarterback as like Josh Allen, the window remains open. You know, the window is Josh Allen's career. But, you know, with this particular group of players, they're getting older and, you know, clearly something isn't working. So, you know, I think one of the things you do in bringing up bringing in Joe Brady is you change the atmosphere, um, in the in the meeting rooms and, um, you know, on that offensive staff. Um, I, I think the hope is, you know, Joe Brady, through being really organized, um, a good communicator, a guy who's really inclusive, is going to be able to spark something with the quarterback and with the offense as a whole. And um, but what you know, if they Joe win Bra-
1: that game, Albert? I mean, huh? if, if they don't have twelve players on the field. Then they win the game. Is Ken Dorsey right. fired if they win that game?
4: No, I don't think so. I mean, you're in a short week, too. Think about that part of it, right? Like, you're in a short week, and, you know, I if you win the game, I don't think you do it. And, and I understand what you're saying, you know, like where they're um, – you know, like it's, you know, there was, you know, game operation problems there. That falls on the head coach, no question. You know, yeah. 12 guys getting on the field like that it falls on a special teams coach, but it also falls on the head coach that the game operation was an issue for them. Um, and getting the team out there, um, you know, the defense, obviously, you have the flag at the end of the game on, 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 uh, on, 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 on the throw down field to Jerry Judy. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's very easy to look at this and say, yes, this is more than just an offensive problem. I do think that they recognize with Matt Milano down, with Tre Davius White down, that the offense is going to have to carry the team and the offense can't turn the ball over anymore and the offense needs to be more consistent and I think that this is a move to try to get a little bit more out of the offense for sure. And you know, we'll see what Joe Brady. You know, I I could tell you this, like teams that interviewed him in twenty twenty one uh, after his first year at the Panthers, thought he was a superstar. Um, one team I know like came really close to reversing course on their own hire and hiring him. So there are a lot of people in the league that think a lot of Joe Brady. Um, obviously, he did a good job at LSU before um, Carolina. There was a bit of a com- personality conflict between him and Matt Rule, which I think you know went, wound up being the reason why he wound up uh, – You know, it didn't work out in 2021 – um, you know, we'll see. If he's as smart as a lot of people think he is, then he should be able to make a difference here down the stretch.
1: Yeah, When I'm looking at Buffalo's stats, uh, they were mm-hmm. second in points and yards last year. They're eighth in points this year, seventh in yards. It is the offense a problem? Is the quarterback? I think it's the
4: consistency. I think it's consistency. Okay. Not, I, like, honestly, like for me, Dan, this is why I thought I thought they should have tried to trade for Saquon Barkley or Jonathan Taylor, like in the summer. Like I I if I was them, like that would be what I would do. Because I I think what they need is they they need just to be more consistent down to down and in less long yardage situations. And you know, where they get themselves in trouble is when it just all goes on Josh. As long as Josh is there, they're gonna be a top ten offense. That should be the baseline, right? Uh, like what I see and what other teams that have played against them that I've talked to have seen is they get themselves in these long yardage situations and it's okay, Josh, go make a play. You know, how do they get in second and six and third and two more consistently? I think you started to see it on Monday night when they really got James Cook going, like where they can go offensively. It's just not consistently enough looking like that. And, you know, I think if they had had, again, like this was just my idea, but, yeah like a Taylor or a Barkley in there now you got Josh Allen playing off of play action a little bit more you're in second and six and third and two more um you're giving yourself a great chance to be terrifying offensively you know when you know, the first play when on first down there's a negative play and now all of a sudden you're in second and 13 well it becomes a lot easier to defend everything and and the likelihood of a turnover goes way up so I think The idea here is, like, can we find a way to be a little bit more consistent on offense? Because we know right now, based on the makeup of our team and our defensive injuries, that the offense is going to have to carry the team if we're going to go where we want to go. Albert Breer, the- by the way by the way like I, I, this has worked before like I don't know if you remember 10 years ago like John Harbaugh firing Cam Cameron in the middle of the season and 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 Jim Caldwell comes in and they win a Super Bowl so it's not like there's not track record of this sort of thing having worked before
1: he's Albert Breer the Monday morning quarterback their senior NFL reporter the likelihood that Jim Harbaugh is in the NFL does it increase or decrease given what he's involved with now? increase
4: um you know i i think he's sick of the ncaa i think he likes it at michigan i think he's sick of the ncaa i think he's sick of dealing with all of this and like a lot of that's his own fault like you know 100% but like i think all the hoops that you have to jump through to be a college coach is a lot anyway you know with nil and the transfer portal all the different stuff that they have to deal with on a day-to-day basis as college coaches, and then you throw the NCAA stuff on top of it. And the fact that he's got unfinished business in the NFL, I think that this makes it more likely that he goes to the NFL. Um And I, quite frankly, think if the opportunity's out there for him, he's probably going. Um Now, is that in Vegas? Would that work for Mark Davis, who's tried to hire him in the past? Maybe. Would that be Chicago? Can he work with Kevin Warren? You remember he and Kevin Warren were at odds a couple of years ago when Kevin Warren was the... Um, commit what was the commissioner of the Big Ten and Kevin Warren, you know, from all accounts wants to be involved on the football side in Chicago. Would that work? I don't know, but I think he could make a difference in both those places. And people forget how good an NFL coach he was. And I think one of the things that you can say about Jim Harbaugh that's probably the biggest, I, I think, is as, as big a compliment as you can give him. Is he has a style of play that is so distinctive and travels everywhere he goes. Like his teams at Stanford look like his teams for the Niners, look like his teams at Michigan. And so if you bring him in, you almost certainly could have like that sort of thing. You know, you could have a very identifiable style of play coming in. And oh by the way, what if the Bears or Raiders have a top ten pick and maybe he has a shot at attracting JJ McCarthy? It's an interesting idea.
1: Yeah, but I don't know if Mark Davis is gonna shell out that kind of money again because right. he's paying Gruden, he's paying Josh McDaniels. Josh.
4: Yeah. And I don't know, you know, that 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 that's a very fair question. That's a very fair question. Um, but I mean he was on the doorstep of hiring, he tried to hire Harbaugh, you know, and like was right there in 2015 when Harbaugh decided to go to Michigan. Um, and, you know, like he interviewed actually a GM candidate a couple of years ago and Ed Dodds, who works for the Colts. Who has a good relationship with Harbaugh, who I, I think is going to be on the Raiders radar again when they're looking at GM candidates. So I, I think the Raiders are definitely one to keep an eye on. Again, the the money part of it could come in and be a factor. Um, but I do think that you know Jim definitely has some unfinished business in the NFL and the Raiders would be an interesting landing spot for
1: him. If the Chargers don't make the playoffs, mm-hmm. what happens?
4: I think it's so I think by all accounts, I think you'd agree with this, right? That roster is really good. So if you get rid of the head coach, do you keep the general manager? Because this is Tom Telesco's third head. This would be Tom Telesco's fourth head coach. You know, Um, I don't know. I don't know. And, And it does feel to me like, you know, I just talked about Buffalo's window. I think the Chargers are sort of in a similar spot to Buffalo. Right? Like where it's like, you know, like the quarterback's there and you're probably gonna be good as long as the quarterback's there. But for this particular group of players, right? Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Derwin James, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, it's not that they don't have young players in the team. They do. They've got good young players in some spots, like, you know, Rashawn Slater would probably be a, a really, really good um left tackle for a long time for them, you know, but the current core of players is is starting to age out a little, and so do you feel an urgency to bring in a guy who can be that guy for you and put you over the top, a la like John Gruden going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in in two thousand and two? You know where you feel like we got to do the we got to do everything we can to get the most out of this particular group of players. So let's take a big swing now. Um, I certainly could see something like that happening. Um, and again, Brandon Staley's got a chance now to to prove who he is as a head coach over the next two months. But um, you know, based on the fact that, you know, contractually, he's at a a, a point where that's generally a decision point on whether you extend a guy or fire a guy um and where they've been as a team over the last you know three years, whether they're getting better, all of that. Um, you know, absolutely, this is a a critical couple months for Brandon Staley and that franchise.
1: Good to talk to you as always, Albert. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. That's Albert Breer, the Monday morning quarterback.
6: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6
1: a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
7: Listen to Comeback Stories. I'm Darren Waller And we've come to form this platform of comeback stories to really highlight not only our own adversity, but adversity in the lives of well-known guests with amazing stories. Catch us every week on Comeback Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Got some quick math for you. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, and delivering your product or service, the more margin you have, the more money you keep. Right? That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, borrowing, everything else costs more. So let's reduce that. Playing baseball, going to baseball games, playing softball. And I just brought back that taste when you're there at a spring training game and you get to have a Miller Lite. It's a warm afternoon, Scottsdale, Arizona. Beer here. Paulie used to be a beer vendor.
8: I was a beer vendor at Scottsdale Stadium and I slung Miller Lite. So I was just throwing them out. There.
1: Okay. Not literally. Okay. But just that cold, refreshing taste. A crack. Yes. Not the crack of the bat. Which
8: is better? Crack of the bat's crack of the beer can?
1: Oh, well, I'd crack of the beer. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Miller Lite. It tastes like beer. How about that? That's why I reach for a Miller Lite. And you should, too. They've been doing this since 1975. The original light beer. Everybody else is just trying to imitate them. Less filling, only 96 calories. Times change, but you can always enjoy the great taste of Miller Lite. Tastes like Miller time. Miller Lite, get it delivered to your door. Visit millerlite.com/patrick, or you can pick up some Miller Lite pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Ninety-six calories, three point two carbs per twelve ounces. Final hour on this Wednesday, Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Make sure you sign up for Dan's deals. It goes live tonight first for the newsletter subscribers. We participated in this before partnering with some great brands all the deals 50 to 60 percent off all the products that we have everything on here makes your life better yes it does every single thing there's like
5: the best pillow you could buy the best sheets you could buy sleeping's taken care of the best knife uh set the best knife set you could buy that's and it's a crazy discount that's pretty awesome it's got this awesome toothbrush actually that's going to get your teeth right yeah uh it's got we got an awesome cooler you don't even need ice and it'll keep your drinks cold that's better and then while you're uh looking at all your awesome stuff you can snack on some of the best beer cheese you can possibly buy what's every everything makes your life better
1: yeah we have all the food groups represented in these gifts for the holidays and uh sign up get the discounts at danpatrick.com just put your email address in there you're good to go and you get the newsletter every single day that recaps what we did on the seventh thing that makes your life better Yes, Paulie?
8: The backpack, you could put the beer in it, put it in the fridge, so when you get ready to go to your tailgate the next day, you don't have to find ice or put in ice and mess it all up with ice. We are making your drinking life better.
1: Yeah, it's a, uh, a cooler, but you don't even need ice. Oh. For I mean, it. you can put ice in it if, if you, you want. want to. It's your choice. Yeah. You actually can just slide up a, a box, a
5: 12-pack box, right into it, yeah. and you're all set. 12-pack of
1: Miller Lite. We did it yesterday. If you're
5: an Alabama fan, Clemson oh that's state. right
1: that's right you got school
5: Auburn school colors there South Carolina um man, I forget which ones there's a bunch of them
1: uh, we don't have one for Georgia Cra- do we have one for Crappensburg State uh not yet we not sh- yet we should by yeah. the way we do have coffee mugs Crappensburg ca- uh, state <laughs> coffee mugs we just got those yesterday and we have the bumper sticker and uh, what's it say uh, my child made the Dean's list at Crappensburg state yeah <laughs> love it Got some new T-shirts there. All of that's available at danpatrick.com. All right. Uh, poll question for the final hour. If you want to recap some of the uh, other poll questions, you can.
5: Why not? Why don't we? Okay.
1: All right. uh, let's
5: see. Uh, this. One, how many games should Draymond Green be suspended? <laughs> right now, 51% of the audience say 10+. plus. Yeah. What do you think? Of that? Is that a lot?
1: Is that many? Uh, feels like it. I mean, it was a chokehold on Rudy Gobert. No punches, but it was a chokehold. I mean, I would put him down for maybe five, reduce it to three. I mean, we're going to revisit this topic with Draymond at some point during the season. So if you don't get him now, you'll get him some other time. Uh, what else do you have? Uh, we also have up
5: there more to blame for the Bills' struggles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have the players, the coordinators, the head coach, or ownership. Mm-hmm. Right now, 51% of that one also have the players. Okay. How about that? Followed by the head coach. Coordinators barely getting any, and the ownership, not really, nothing.
1: Okay. Uh, I, here's a suggestion for all of uh, the people in the media who love Deion Sanders. Um, stop speculating that he should go to Texas A&M because you're actually hurting him with his recruiting. You have two recruits, four-star recruits, who have backed out of their commitment with Colorado because they're not quite sure is Dion going to be there next year? So if you want Dion to succeed, don't put things out there like he could end up with the Cowboys or end up with Texas A and M, unless it's real. But a lot of the stuff attached to Dion Sanders and what people have said has not been, you know, real has been true. And Dion even said, "Look, I'm not going anywhere. I got my kids. They're going to be back here next year, unless they get some kind of waiver from the NCAA." The NCAA is busy with other things. They may not have time. They can't multitask. They're probably you know, struggling to keep up with Jim Harbaugh. Yes, Paul.
3: That
8: said, if I'm AM, I say, Dion, bring the kids. Bring them all with you. Bring the kids, bring the cousins. Let's
1: go. Uh, speaking of college football, the uh, Pac 12 is now the Pac 2. It's Oregon State and Washington State. But I, I love the story. I've been following the story because I want to know what happens. Can the Pac 12 still exist? Can they still have the opportunity to play in a, uh, you know, be uh, an automatic bid and win it, you know, be part of the national championship picture, adding teams there? John Canzano, longtime Oregon columnist, and uh, you can find him at John dot com has been following the story as well. All right. So what happened in the newsroom or I should say courtroom of, uh, you know, with the Pac-12 with Oregon State and Washington State?
9: Well, it was really interesting to be in there because you have this small town feel in Colfax, less than 3,000 people there. You've got the judge's wife sitting over in the jury box. you got former Washington State coach Jim Walton sitting next to her, their family, friends. They had lunch together before the hearing. So there's all this, uh, this really folksy stuff going on in the courtroom. And then you have these attorneys that are making $600 an hour who are, you know, it's like 15 attorneys that are in the room. And they're in a tug of war over the board seats in the Pac-12 conference. And the judge, Judge Leiby, Gary Leiby, he ultimately ruled that the actions of the board in the last year, you know, they kicked UCLA and USC off the board when they announced they were going to the Big Ten. They kicked Colorado off when they said they were going to the Big 12. He said, hey, that action matters. Uh, That's how you acted. And he, you know, yesterday awarded the two board seats to Oregon State and Washington State. Now, there's going to be appeals. They're going to file a... Uh, uh, you know, a motion with the state supreme court today. The departing ten schools will file that motion. They're going to ask for a stay of the judge's temporary restraining order, and they're going to try to find some more favorable terrain to uh... to argue this case. They'll probably go to the uh, to Olympia, the state capital there in Washington.
1: Unbelievable. What do you think the Pac-12 is going to look like?
9: Well, I think ultimately Oregon State and Washington State they they want to rebuild this thing. You know, the the president at Washington State was in the courtroom. Two athletic directors were in the courtroom. They want to get busy rebuilding it, and the ten departing schools are really stalling this out. They know the transfer portal window is December fourth. They know that's kind of a drop dead moment, and so I think they're really trying to squeeze those two schools because they, the departing schools, want all the money. They want to take their share of the money. They want to dissolve the conference. Um, you know, there's four hundred twenty million dollars in revenue coming in this year, this fiscal year. There's about another hundred and seventy coming in in future years. So there's a lot of money at stake here. Oregon State and Washington State want to use that money to rebuild. The departing schools want to take their share and and be done with it. And so that's really what this is about.
1: Okay, you need a new commissioner for the Pac-12 or whatever it's going to be called, and you need a TV deal. So the likelihood of all of that happening here before next season, I guess the commissioner would be the easy part. What about the TV deal? How attractive would that be?
9: Yeah, I think they have to buy some time, you know, and I talked, there's two paths, really, for Oregon State and Washington State. I don't think they try to do this in, you know, 2024. I think okay. what they try to do is next season, they're going to play as a conference of two. That's, that's I keep hearing that over and over. And the two paths that are available to them are, A, they put together a 12-game schedule. They try to uh, live off the media rights money and the what they win in this court case for the next couple of years. And then they really focus on 2025. The alternate path, if they're not able to put together a schedule, and I'm told that they already have modeled that. They have, you know, they're, they could successfully put together a 12 game schedule. But the more favorable one might just be to create a scheduling partnership or an alliance with the Mountain West Conference, place some of those schools in 2025. There's still a whole bunch of other schools out there like Utah, Cal, and Stanford who are looking for games. I think you could pick up some Power 5 games, but I don't know, you're right about the TV money. I don't know what that deal could look like in 2024, but that's why the money that's wrapped up in the conference and in this court proceeding is so important because Oregon State and Washington State are going to have to live off of that for about 18 to 24 months.
1: But then legally, if you restructure the Pac-12, but it's called the Pac-12, can you still get the automatic berth, the winner of the Pac-12, you know, playing for a national championship?
9: Yeah, that's a a really important question, and I think there's a debate to be had there, and there may be in a negotiation. You know, Kurt Schultz, the president of Washington State, is on that council. He holds a vote in that that decision on that president's council, so uh, I think he could leverage that. I think really, though, too, the other thing I've heard is, you know, if you do cobble together the Pac-12 and you bring it back and you keep the brand, and I think they will do that you could argue that if they add the right schools Dan that it becomes the best group of 5 and that conference champion in most years probably gets a berth anyway even though it's not automatic okay. so you know this is about you know i keep hearing this over and over from washington state and oregon state it's about survival in the next 2 years and then what happens to college football and can their brands and their success on the football field help them uh be part of whatever comes next
1: we know that the Colorado needs to have six wins, according to the Pac-12 guidelines, to be bull eligible. Well, if the regular season ends and they have five wins, are they still affiliated with the Pac-12? Is the foot, like, can they, are they already seceding from the union? Now they're in limbo. Now they could go to a bowl game with only five wins, not the the, uh, requisite six.
9: Yeah, I think the love language of college athletics is always going to be money. <laughs> I think if, uh, if Colorado can justify that there is a windfall that the conference would share in, because technically nobody's leaving until August 1 of 2024, uh, if they could convince the conference, hey, there's a windfall here, there's a network that's willing to pay, there's a bowl game that's willing to pay for Colorado to be part of it, which there should be. I think that the uh, the board, now made of two, uh, could get together and say, hey we're we would lower that requirement in a five team win, uh, you know a five win team could get into a bowl game
1: Great to talk to you John uh, thanks for following this story. Thanks Dan that's John kenzano, longtime Oregon columnist radio host you can uh, follow him at john yeah money is the great elixir there because there's going to be a, a bowl that's going to want there'll be a few bowl uh, games that would love to have Deion Sanders, Colorado. Pack 12 pack 2 can you kind of stitch something together, cobble it together, and then maybe you have something here in the next uh, year or so, two years? All right, we'll get phone calls coming up. If you're just joining us, uh, Deshaun Watson is done for the year. He uh, suffered a uh, broken bone in his shoulder, and uh, they have the Browns and the Steelers are uh, coming up. With the Steelers coming to town, they are getting four and a half At least they were. The spread's now. The Browns giving two after the Deshaun Watson story. So he has a fractured shoulder, and it's season-ending surgery. He is done. And I started to look at the number of games that Deshaun Watson has played in his career. 2017 missed nine games due to injury. 2018 didn't miss a game. 2019 missed two games due to injury. 2020 missed one game due to injury. 2021 sat out all 17 games voluntarily. While healthy 2022 missed 11 games due to the NFL suspension 2023 he is going to miss 11 games due to injury total missed games in seven years is 51 games total games played in those seven seasons is 66 by the end of this season Deshaun Watson will have played in just over 57 percent of the possible games in a seven season run by the way, the uh, total pay up to this point, including this season, is 142 million dollars. And guess what he's due over the next three seasons, uh, before taxes, of course, 138 million dollars, guaranteed. Ouch! Ouch! Seems like a stat of the day to me, Marvin. Woo!
6: stat of the day, stat. Of-
1: Brought to you by Panini America, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. Season finale, the LPGA Tour, and it's the CME Globe Tour Championship. That'll be Sunday 1 Eastern on NBC and Peacock. We will talk to the uh, lead singer of Rush, Geddy Lee. He is selling off his baseball collection, his memorabilia collection. Quite a collection. One of the best that you'll find. And uh, we'll talk to him about that, some of the items that he has. Did some research on this, and he's got some really rare, rare items here. Uh, Baseball signed by the Beatles after the 1962 performance at Chase Stadium. Also, I think the final out of both of Johnny Vandermeer's back-to-back no-hitters. The only pitcher who's ever had back-to-back no-hitters. And uh, Getty Lee has the final out of both of those no-hitters. So he'll join us coming up here in a little bit. Mel in New York. Hi, Mel. What's on your mind today?
6: Hi Dan, uh, first time, long time, uh, five seven and a solid one ninety five. Thank you very much, boy. That's music to my ears. Uh, a question for you, uh, actually two questions. One, uh, you have such a great collection of items in your man cave. Have you ever thought of of doing a show, putting it on a DVD? Of of you know what you have in the man cave and maybe the backstory as to how you got it. Or... I think
1: I did that. I did that a web video. I think the French kid came in and we kind of went around and I pointed out things uh, when I got them, uh, how I got them, uh, what they mean to me. I mean, I got you know things that are normal with a lot of collectors: Brett Favre jersey, Dan Marino autograph jersey, Barry Sanders, Wayne Gretzky, Reggie Miller, Kobe Bryant. Some of the uh, jerseys are personalized. Tom Brady Buccaneers jersey, personalized. So there's quite a few of those, the normal things. But then I collect everything. I have every press pass that, you know, from when I was working at CNN. So every press pass I kept when I would go to these events, and that's starting in 1982, 83. I got. Celtics, Lakers, Boston Garden, NBA Finals, Bird and Magic, uh, Michael Jordan's retirement. Uh, there was a press pass that you know. There's just like I collected everything and I put them on the doors around here. So there's there's just a lot of stuff here. Now the Danettes they turned on me last hour and they called me a hoarder and Seaton said that I uh, I have a problem and uh, well I think Fritzy jumped in too that I have a problem. But it's a problem that I uh, gladly have and uh, not worried about it. I don't know that anyone suggested you should be worried. I mean, well, you, uh, somebody said maybe I need uh, some help. Hmm. Somebody somebody suggested. I think that. you
5: th- posited that. Do I need help? And, and think, then you guys and said then yes. You, you asked, do I need an intervention? Those yes. are all things that, so maybe there's some type of uh, deep seated concerns in your head that not now at all. Then, the first
8: step in knowing you have a problem is asking for help.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
3: And there are worse problems to have in the world, so you know what? So you got a little hoarding issue. What's the big deal?
1: Yeah, because I wake up every day and I go, okay, I'm a hoarder. I could be fritzy.
0: Oh, I feel is better. that
1: what you do? Yeah. Da, 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 da. You get out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> I feel a lot better. Yes, sir. It, it, <laughs> God, he's just reacting. That's what he does.
3: He's yeah, like, yeah, he's... he calls me Mr. Sensitive, and now he's lashing out.
5: Right, he's lashing out. Just Don't take it personally. And I'm
3: sensitive.
1: Oh yeah, Mister Back Row there, where you got your uh, soccer scarves, where you're trying to hide Fritzy's face from your view. Oh, so you're trying
3: to turn everybody he against each care. other. This is what he's doing now. Look at
1: look
5: at what I've done, Todd. I've left it I perfectly, that. perfectly.
3: Well, all the scarves are off to the side, so we can uh, we have clear view. Mm. We him. just
5: have the ability to <laughs> yeah, do that you should, when needed. Yeah, should.
3: Todd, how like do you feel this? about that?
1: It hurts my feelings like a little bit, yeah. but
3: uh, I like to see a smiling what face. What
1: doesn't hurt your feelings?
3: Most things hurt my feelings.
1: I went in the back. <laughs> Most things. Yeah. I went in the back. The big German is there. And, uh, you know, Picture Day Ray is making uh, little miniature hot dogs there. Of course. Yeah. And, and I caught Fritzy going in there. Yeah, I'm
3: hovering over the grill. I think he, I like these guys. I'm like, ever since they put the grill in, I'm making all these visits to say, hey. How, and then he here.
1: didn't want me to see that he was going to have a miniature hot dog. You can have it. I don't care. I'm not your mom. You're a a food hider is what you are.
3: I do, because I know there's cameras and everything, and the last thing I want to be is in the morning meeting video. Even
1: when you go home, you stop at Jersey Mike's. You don't have anything while you're here, and then it's like, all right, Fritzy, not eating anything. Yeah, when you don't eat
3: until 2 o'clock in the (laughs) afternoon, next thing you know, it's like two medium pizzas at a Mountain (laughs) Dew. Why am I so hungry? Because you didn't eat since like 10 p.m. the night before.
1: (laughs) It's a problem. I, I have problems, too. See, we all have problems. I like how one of the backroom guys followed Fritzy. One time from the man cave, just to see what, what fast food place he stopped. Yeah, trust
3: anybody at. here. This is what it is. <laughs> what?
1: Well, they weren't trying to. They just mm. saw him and then they followed him and then he pulled into Jersey Mike's. I wonder who assigned that job.
3: <laughs> People taking their cell phones out.
5: To be fair, Todd isn't really exactly given a moment's peace while he's here, so. I don't blame him for one not wanting to eat here. Saying what oh, needs to be said.
1: God. Thank you, Steve. Shut what, up. what do you got there, toddler? Like,
4: just,
5: I'm just trying to eat a sandwich, dude. What are you Later wearing? Okay. What
4: are you doing? What, did, you what are you Did Todd
1: do that to McLovin? Hey, McLovin, what do you got there? What do you eat here? I learned hey. real quickly
3: not
4: okay, to do Okay, but that.
1: did you do that? But I wasn't incessantly, and that's the reason why McLovin left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I wasn't keeping track of every
3: move like I was keeping a diary or something like that.
1: Did you annoy McLovin and know you? Uh, uh, everybody you, you annoyed, annoyed <laughs> McLovin, <laughs> and you know sure. what? McLovin annoyed everybody too. It, that was kind of the dynamic. And that's why we have Marvin here. Yeah, just in time for the Connecticut Husky Magazine Exposé. <laughs> what a great addition to the team! Wow, where would we be without Marvin? Thank goodness for Marv. Getty Lee's going to join us. <laughs> I'm going to ask him if he's a hoarder. Or a collector. All of his sports memorabilia. Let's take a break, Todd, okay? Yeah, we should take a break. We're back after this on the Dan Patrick Show. Simply safe. See, when you have all of this memorabilia, you need simply safe home security. Segway. Yeah, you do. Thank you, Todd. Simply safe. Comprehensive protection for the whole home. Advanced sensors. They detect break-ins, fires, floods, even... Somebody's going to move my memorabilia around. Can yes. you
3: upgrade to the hoarder's package? It's only like $1.99. It's
1: powering my 24-7 <laughs> professional monitoring. Not a real package. Less than a dollar a day. That's half the cost of traditional home security. I hope, you're, about it? I hope you're having fun.
3: Hoarder deal? Just click. You guys got to click the button.
1: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the
6: nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com.
2: And even... Checkout's not until
5: 4, so...
2: Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.
1: Basketball fans know that things can be a little crazy this time of the year. Anything can happen. Last-minute buzzer beaters. Gaps in health coverage. But... When the last one happens, you need Affleck to help you bounce back from the expenses health insurance doesn't cover. You may have seen the Affleck duck working with some pretty famous coaches. But did you know Affleck is a leader in supplemental insurance? Look, health insurance wasn't designed to cover everything. So when an illness or injury happens, you can be hit with medical bills that some people don't have the cash on hand to pay. That's where Affleck comes in to help. When you're sick or injured, bills can rack up fast. Affleck pays cash that can be put towards medical expenses like copays or even non-medical expenses like groceries or rent. It's never a good idea to try to play through an injury or illness, and that's why you got to level up your defense. When there's gaps in health coverage, Affleck has the assist for you. Get help with expenses health insurance doesn't cover. Visit Affleck.com to learn more in from Mary Kay Cabot. She covers the Cleveland Browns. The Browns will start my guy, Dorian Thompson-Robinson versus the Steelers. Uh, She asked Dorian Thompson-Robinson before the uh, Seahawks game how it'd be different night and day. It'll be a clear difference. I finally got my feet wet. I know what to do. I know what to study when I get out there. So, you're going against one of the top five defenses, and it should be night or day. It better be night and day, and he can move a little bit. Uh, we'll get to phone calls coming up. Uh, we talked to Getty Lee yesterday, so uh, we'll get to that in a moment. Christie's and Hunt Auctions proudly present selections from Getty Lee, the important baseball memorabilia. It's his collection, historic offering that uh, you have. Uh, going back for uh, many, many century, or uh, decades here, live auction will take place December 6th. The pieces are available to look at December 1st through December 5th. For more information, visit christies.com. Here is how I started my interview with the lead singer of the band Rush, Geddy Lee. We were trying to play guess Geddy Lee's favorite baseball player growing up. Now, you save your answer. Let's go around the room. Getty Lee's favorite baseball player growing up, Todd. Greg Luzinski. Greg Luzinski. Seton O'Connor. Sandy Koufax. Marvin. Mickey Mantle. Ta, uh, Paulie. Harmon Killebrew. I'm going Al Kaline.
10: Oh, God. You guys are torturing me. Uh, yeah, Al Kaline.
1: <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> nice, All right. Thank you. Thank you.
10: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what was the, did you meet Al? No, never met him. Uh, but, you know, we were in uh, a zone where we got the American League games on the weekends. And so the the Tigers-Yankees rivalry was the thing when I was growing up. And we saw a lot of uh, Tigers games. And, and uh, I believe uh, the Toronto Maple Leaf ball team, that was uh, located in Toronto with the International League team. I think they were the farm club of the Tigers for a while. And, and uh, one or two games I managed to sneak downtown and watch when I was really young. I think even Sparky Anderson was on that club. So mm-hmm. I had a familiarity with guys like Al Kaline, Norm Cash. Uh, you know, that was a great era. And, of course, Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris were the thing when I was a kid, too. So I was fans of them as well.
1: First piece of memorabilia you remember buying was what?
10: Um, it was a um, it was a photograph of Satchel Paige that was signed by him, and uh, I bought that at the same time as a photograph of uh, the the shot uh, signed by uh, Bobby Thompson. Oh, Those wow. two. Uh, i was uh, walking through a memorabilia store and i i didn't collect that stuff yet and so i saw these two pieces and i thought well though they would look really cool hanging in my office so uh but
1: then it becomes an addiction yes right when did you realize that it was out of hand
10: um, um last year <laughs> <laughs> okay um it's been out of hand for quite a while. It's my nature. Uh, you know, the problem I have is not that I'm a borderline hoarder or that uh, I'm a passionate collector. Is that I have this kind of completist attitude to collecting. So, for example, when I started collecting no-hitter balls, well, I, I had to have every no-hitter ball that I could possibly find. And so um, it's that part of the illness that has caused me to have so much stuff that uh, I couldn't even display it all. So
1: you know, we that. used to be a collector was pretty good, and then they started labeling us hoarders, and yes. and then it became a negative. So I have a man cave full of stuff and just stuff that I've collected when I was at ESPN and you know probably forty years worth. But I have this huge building that I can put it in. I do you have a big building that you have all of this stuff in? or did you know did you run out of space?
10: Well, I ran out of space. I you know, I have this incredible office at home where I displayed all my favorite pieces and I couldn't really display them all. I had boxes and boxes of wonderful pieces that I completely forgotten about and uh and then when I started collecting bass, vintage bass guitars, I had a real problem. <laughs> I had a critical mass issue at my home. <laughs> uh, so How many
1: how many guitars did you have?
10: about 350.
1: Oh my god.
10: Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, and you most, collected
10: from bands like other artists? Uh not so much. I was just interested in in vintage pieces, rare pieces. A wow. lot of, a lot from what I call the golden age of guitar making, which was the late 50s, early 60s. Uh and you know, again, being a completist, I had to have one of each brand, even obscure <laughs> Italian brands that uh, were made and not many seen on this uh, side of the world.
1: What's the most you spend on a piece of memorabilia? Uh,
10: guitar or uh, baseball? <laughs> or baseball. Oh, I don't know. Over a hundred grand, I have spent. Yeah, but
1: you got I, uh, uniforms. Guilty. You got uniforms as well, bats as well.
10: Yeah, uh, I really tried to focus on single-signed baseballs or game-used baseballs. Uh, But, you know, uh, it's also fascinating to me that sometimes in a bat, like I have a bat that might have been used by Joe Jackson, but it's one of his uh, signature bats. And how do you not uh, try to grab that if you're a collector? I have a lot of personal memorabilia that I would never part with. Uh, for my collection stuff like i have bill lee's uniform uh the day that he freaked out in the montreal expos clubhouse because rodney scott had been traded he took off his expos uniform tore it up and then headed headed to the bar across the street to, to have a few pints and jim fanning picked up uh, who was the manager of the expos at the time he picked up the uniform and kept it all these years. And I got to know Jim through Larry Walker, who's a friend of mine and a really nice family. And they, you know, allowed me to purchase it from them for my collection. But that's something that's so special because I'm a Canadian and because I was at the expos, were my first real passionate love.
1: I have an autographed baseball from Joe Carter and Mitch Williams on a World Series baseball. They both signed. That, wow. that year. that they, I don't know what it's worth, but I i visited both of them that off season after Joe hit the home run, and I asked Joe if he would sign it, and then Mitch signed it as well. But what struck me, though, Getty, is I asked Joe Carter where the home run ball was, and he said mm-hmm. right there in the kitchen. So I oh. open up a kitchen drawer, and the ball rolls out, and I go, <laughs> that's one of the most famous baseballs in history. He goes, Yeah, but I gave it to my wife. It was—it wasn't in a trophy case. It was in a junk drawer.
10: (laughs) Well, you know that's. This is you know he played the game, so to him it's just a tool of the trade. You know, sometimes that's it's like that. I have memorabilia from rush passes and things from important gigs and shows, and you know they're just collecting in some drawer or something. So I understand that feeling. Whereas if it was from baseball, for me that would be just. Sacrosanct, you know, you've got to put it in a special place.
1: You have a baseball signed by the Beatles?
10: I do, yeah. And that's for- up the Beatles? Yeah, at no. Shea Stadium, uh, at that gig, that famous gig they did at Shea Stadium in the 60s. What do you think that'll go for? I have no idea, but it could go very high. It could very well be one of the highest... Uh, uh, selling items in the sale.
1: What, what are the top-end items, you think, as far as this auction at Christie's?
10: Well, <laughs> it's hard for me to guess. I'm so close to these things, and I've had so many of them for decades. But the Beatles ball, for sure. I think that some of the presidential stuff, especially the John Kennedy first pitch 1961 i mean that's an amazing ball i was very fortunate to acquire and in fact i was very fortunate to acquire a few john kennedy signed baseballs and um in fact in 1961 he was the he's one of the few presidents that threw a first pitch out to both teams that now that's a democrat (laughs) <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah there's some other great things i have uh johnny vandermeer's final outs from his back-to-back no hitters that's pretty darn special man. see
1: that one is wild we'll never have that again and the fact that you got the final out on both of those no hitters
10: yeah i I, mean, I had to have them both you know uh it's the same with the kennedy uh 61 uh signed balls i once i I bought the the first one that's also signed by Lyndon Johnson many, many years ago. And uh, I thought it was the only one. And then up pops this other one on sit for sale, and it's the other team. Uh, and I thought, well, this has got to be a fake because I have the original one. But it oh. turns out he did, in fact, throw two pitches out that day.
1: We're talking to Geddy Lee. Uh, are you still introduced as the lead singer of Rush?
10: That's what I'm kind of known for. So, okay. yeah, that's fine. Lead singer, bassist of Rush, yeah.
1: But last time I talked to you, that was a couple of years ago, you said you were done. That's probably six years ago. But uh, yeah. So, are you well, done?
10: Well, uh, <laughs> Rush, uh, you know, Neil Peart, our drummer, retired in 2015. And sadly, he uh, suffered from glioblastoma for a few years and he passed away in 2020 so rush as a unit of Neil Alex and myself of course was over in 2015. uh whether I will play again in some form that's very possible uh, I leave myself quite open to that I just finished uh, a two-year epic writing my memoir and which is coming out today as a matter of fact and um, and that was a ma- a great distraction and a real co- Cathartic process for me. But uh, now that that's done, I'm kind of anxious to get back to my day job and see if I can write some music that people still care about.
1: My F in Life. That is uh, the engrossing tale of a classic underachiever who became a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame vocalist, bassist, and keyboard player. It's like somebody wrote that for me, Getty. <laughs> but you guys aren't known for being like the Stones in the south of France when they were doing Exile on Main Street. Like you weren't going. Crazy as a party band, were you?
10: Um, Well, no, we we flew under the radar, you see, because we didn't have any mainstream media attention. You know, we were kind of a cult band, like the world's most popular cult band. And so whatever transgressions we happened to get involved in, you know, remained (laughs) quiet. So uh, I found it in my heart to share some of those crazy moments in my book. That some people I think might be a little surprised to read. Did you give me the band you partied
1: with one time and lived to tell about it?
10: Oh, I remember a fantastic uh, a number of nights with uh, the band UFO when they were touring with us, and uh, we had I remember uh, some of the guys in Thin Lizzy challenging us to a scotch drinking contest and be very careful when you challenge a canadian to a drinking (laughs) contest because we're a hardy breed up north uh so uh, yeah and there's a time that we had a party at the end of a kiss tour where uh the drummer of kiss ended up throwing a giant potted palm over a balcony out and god thankfully no one was hit and so there are a few stories. And then there are some self-contained stories about one time <laughs> in Manchester, England, when Alex had challenged our six foot 11 um, stage manager to a cognac drinking contest. Now, that is not advisable because cognac is a sipping brew, right? Mm-hmm. And you, don't, you don't do shots of that. That is a very funny tale, I have to say. bit too long and, uh, you know, censored to share here. Uh I love you, man, with uh, Paul Rudd and Jason Siegel. When you
1: first heard about what they were doing, what was your reaction and what your role would be in that?
10: Well, we were coming out of a time, uh, you have to remember, we had just sort of survived a five-year hiatus where Neil had had some terrible tragedies in his life, and we were not sure that he would come back to the band. But he did, thankfully, for, for the world of uh, Rush fans and for me personally, <laughs> Um And so when we embarked on that tour, we were of a completely different mindset, things that we would normally say no to out of hand. We now decided, you know, like that famous Seinfeld episode, if you know every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite must be right. So we just started saying yes to everything. And John Hamburg had gotten the script to I Love You, Man to us. We read it and we said, this is a comedy. This is good. Yes, we'll do it. And that's how it all started. And, of course, when we got to the set, we had no idea how much fun we'd have. And the guys in in the movie were so kind and so excited. And it was just one of the best memories I have. And then you were with Paul Rudd last night? Yes, Paul very kindly agreed to be my surprise guest host last night at the Beacon Theater. And he was as charming and affable as you could ever expect. You know, he's just one of the nicest people in show business, honest to God. What What a sincere guy.
1: Well, we'll come full circle because that's who Al Kaline was. He was a wonderful gentleman, and uh, having met him a couple of times, I know you said that that was your idol when you were growing up. You would have been proud to know that that was your idol because he was a great man.
10: Well, I'm, re- I'm really happy to know that because I never did meet him, and uh, that, makes me, that makes me smile. Thanks.
1: Good luck with the book. Good luck with the auction. And there's no shame in starting a new collection there, Getty. Nothing wrong with
10: it. Nothing wrong (laughs) with (laughs) it. Always something else to collect.
1: Thanks for joining us.
10: Thanks, Dan. Great to be here.
1: That's Getty Lee. And uh, you can see the items that he is going to be auctioning off at christies.com. That'll be December 1st through the 5th. You'll be able to look at it. And the auction takes place December 6th. A lot of fun. I think he's a collector, not a hoarder. Just saying.
5: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.
1: At these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
2: When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that! Shoot that.